Hello everyone and welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. Here we'll discuss everything related to the wide world of automobiles, including culture, news, games, interviews, and events. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hey, hey everyone, welcome to this episode. I am big excited. I am big excited for this episode because finally we have an all new, and I'm just going to spoil it right off the bat. We have an all-new 2021 Jeep Grand Cherokee. No, it's not a facelift. No, it's not a minor refresh. No, it's an all-new next-generation Jeep Grand Cherokee. And the specific model we're talking about is not the two-row version, but the three-row version known as the Grand Cherokee L. No delays. Let's get into this right now. This article comes from my friends at Mopar Insiders. It was 29 years ago today that the Jeep brand shook up the SUV segment. I was about to say SRV, I don't know why. I have SRT on the brains. Shook up the SUV segment with the introduction of the 1993 Jeep Grand Cherokee ZJ. Originally intended to be a replacement for the legendary Jeep Grand Grand Wagoneer, also known as the SJ, the all-new ZJ was introduced to the media at the North American International Auto Show in Detroit in a stunt that kicked off the most awarded nameplate in the SUV segment. Driving a poppy red colored ZJ fresh off the assembly line from the newly built Jefferson Avenue assembly plant, or JNAP, on not, <laughs> not the Rocket League JNAP though, on Detroit's east, east side. Chrysler Corporation President Bob Lutz was followed by cameras making the six mile trip to Detroit's Cobo Hall. Once there, Lutz drove the four liter inline six cylinder powered Grand Cherokee up the stairs of Cobo Hall, crashing through the windows of the lobby and unveiling the new SUV to the press. Fast forward to today, to today the, inter, the, national, sorry, the North American International Auto Show has been pushed to a September date. There is an ongoing pandemic, and Jeep has built a brand new assembly plant to help manufacture even more of the brand's upcoming 5th generation Grand Cherokee. The, this generation is known as the WL. The prior generation is WK. The iconic American brand introduces the 2021 Jeep Grand Cherokee L, the first three-row vehicle to carry the Jeep Grand Cherokee nameplate. It also marks the brand's return to the three-row offerings in the SUV E segment? SUV, oh, E segment, okay, three-row. Since the discontinuation of the Jeep Commander, or XK, after the 2010 model year. The 2021 Jeep Grand Cherokee L is the first part of a trio of new Grand Cherokee offerings from Jeep that will debut this year. Scheduled to start production in early March, a two-row variant following the same formula as the current Grand Cherokee, or WK2 models, will enter production in August. These two models will be followed by a plug-in hybrid electric vehicle, or FEV version, using the electrified 4xe nameplate starting production in October, according to Mopart Insider sources. The all-new 2021 Jeep Grand Cherokee L is completely new from the ground up. Starting with an all-new exterior design, the Grand Cherokee L clearly pulls inspiration from the all-new Grand Wagoneer concept. Slightly boxier than the WK2 model, it will ultimately replace. The new Grand Cherokee L features bolder styling pulled together with a character line that runs around the vehicle just below the greenhouse, which if you don't know what that is, that's the windows. So the windshield, the rear window, and then the passenger windows. A longer, more prominent hood features a more upright front end treatment, a lot like the Grand Wagoneer concept, with, which features standard LED headlamps with similar styling treatments to the mid-size 2021 Jeep Cherokee. Pulling from its brand heritage, the, the Grand Cherokee L also features a slight kink in the iconic 7-slot grille, paying homage to the waterfall grille design. 
a design trait that has been returning on many of the recent, recent new or updated Jeep models. From the side, the new Grand Cherokee L is chiseled and well-defined. Chrome trim runs from the A-pillar over the side glass and through the D-pillar before running around the under before running around and under the rear hatch glass, breaking up the classic slab-sided SUV design. At the rear of the vehicle, the Grand Cherokee L features slim LED tail lamps that extend from the center of the hatch and flow to the outside of the vehicle before wrapping around the rear quarter panel. If you've seen that Jeep Yuntu concept, I think it was a Chinese concept a few years ago, it's quite a lot like that actually. With the addition of the third row, the Grand Cherokee L is bigger than its WK2 predecessor, with a wheelbase of 120 with a wheelbase of 121.7 inches and a length of 204.9 inches, the all-new Grand Cherokee L has a 6.9 inch longer wheelbase and is 15.1 inches longer in length. As for the width, the new Grand Cherokee L is 1.4 inches wider than the current model as well. When compared to the current three-row 2021 Dodge Durango, which shares its underpinnings with the current Grand Cherokee WK2, the all-new Grand Cherokee L is just under two inches, no, has just under two inches of of more wheelbase and four and is about four inches longer in its overall length. While it doesn't sound like much, the added wheelbase and length should give the new Grand Cherokee L a smoother ride and even more usable three-row legroom than the current Dodge Durango. To be fair, it should also have a smoother ride because it's on a new chassis, new suspension, the lot. With its larger dimensions, the Grand Cherokee L now has more cargo room than ever before. According to Jeep, the Grand Cherokee L features a 17.1 cubic feet Sorry, features 17.1 cubic feet of storage room behind the third row. That grows to 46.9 cubic feet with the third row folded down and 84.6 cubic feet when both the second row and third row are folded flat. There will be five core trim levels available on the 2021 Jeep Grand Cherokee L. This includes the entry-level Laredo, well-equipped Limited, Stylish Overland, and the Luxurious Summit, and the new ultra-premium Summit Reserve. Many of you might be wondering where the off-road oriented trail model, Trailhawk model is. However, customers will have the ability to add an all-new off-road package to the Overland trim in its place. We will be talking about that in an upcoming article. Okay, so so you can still get an off-road oriented model, but it's an it's a trim it's a package for the Overland. I'm I'm kind of okay with that. I wish they, I still wish they kept the Trailhawk model because I kind of doubt that the off-road package is going to come with any of the graphics any of the decals that the Trailhawk model came with, but, you know, the Summit, to me, when it came to the WK2, the older Grand Cherokee, the Summit was the sort of on-road, very luxurious Grand Cherokee, and then the Overland, to me, should have been the more off-road capable version. So, as much as I, I miss the fact that we might not get a Trailhawk model, making the Overland more capable is something I'm also okay with. Inside is where the new Grand Cherokee L shines, though. While the current WK2 interior seems to be a welcoming place for passengers, the new 2021 Jeep Grand Cherokee L revolutionizes the welcoming experience with new materials, handsome design, and the latest technology. Starting with what makes the Grand Cherokee L unique is the standard third row configuration. There is now the ability to carry either six or seven passengers. The second row of the Grand Cherokee L can feature a bench layout for those looking for seven passenger capability or pair of captain's chairs, allowing more premium seating for six passengers. The new low-slung instrument panel immediately makes the new Grand Cherokee LC wider while providing a much more modern look than the current WK2 model. 
Starting with a new leather wrapped steering wheel design featuring raised function buttons, which is set which is set up to help the driver better control the Grand Cherokee L's new technology features. The recently introduced 10.1 inch UConnect Uconnect 5 infotainment touchscreen is laid out horizontally in the middle of the instrument panel. The 10.1-inch system comes standard with TomTom Tom Navigation, Sirius XM Radio, wireless Apple CarPlay, and wireless Android Auto. The Uconnect 5 system is 5 times faster and 20% larger than the outgoing 8.4-inch screen. Unlike the 2021 Dodge Durango, which only offers the system on certain models, the Grand Cherokee L comes standard with the 10.1-inch Uconnect system. You love to see it. Also taking advantage of the new Uconnect 5 software, there is a new 10.25-inch digital instrument display, or TFT screen in the gauge cluster, which is also standard across the lineup. The new customizable display can feature a number of different layouts tailored to the driver's preferences, including navigation, functions, off-road pages, and can even display the all-new night vision camera. Oh yeah, we're going full Range Rover now. A new 10-inch heads-up display allows the drivers to customize important driver information on the windshield to help keep the driver focused on the road. The system was introduced on the 2020, or recently introduced on the 2021 Ram 1500 TRX Performance Off-Roader. The Grand Cherokee L also takes the digital rearview mirror from the Ram 1500 and incorporates it into the new interior. There is a new rear seat monitoring system, similar to me an idea to the one that's on the Pacifica, that allows the driver to keep their eye on their precious cargo seated behind them. For audiophiles, the 2021 Jeep Grand Cherokee L is the first production Jeep to feature the only vehicle audio system in the world, powered by Macintosh. A system using the same elements that were showcased in the Grand Cherokee concept, but is now available to the public for the first time. The Macintosh system features 19 speakers and 950 watts of premium power. There is even a special display in the Uconnect system featuring the Macintosh brand's signature green and blue logo and, and VU needles. Some people will be questioning the decision to return to a rotary dial shifter. However, it allows the center console to be freed up for the select terrain controls, as well as the switch for the available ride height selector for the Quadra lift air suspension. Despite being able to operate most of the Grand Cherokee L's features through the Uconnect touchscreen, Jeep has kept physical buttons, or physical controls, also known as redundant controls, below the infotainment system and in a bank of switches above it as well. The instrument panel features several different premium touches, depending on the trim level. On the more luxurious Summit, there is real wood trim like Open Pore, Open Pore Absolute Oak. Premium Summit Reserve models feature Open Pore Waxed Walnut Wood, adding even more of a premium feel. Adding even more premium touches to the Grand Cherokee nameplate, there are optional 16, 16 way adjustable front seats with memory and lumbar support. There is also now massaging seat backs with five customizable settings that are standard on Summit and Summit Reserve and are optional on Overland. Oh yeah, full Range Rover! Heated front and second row seats are standard on limited Overland, Summit, and Summit Reserve models. Ventilated front row seats are standard on limited Overland and Summit models, with Summit Reserve models getting both front and second row ventilated seats as standard equipment. Jeep is really, they are really going to, really trying to fight Range Rover it would seem, especially for the, I think it would be the Land Rover Discovery space given that this is a three-row Jeep. I mean, the luxury on this model is... The night vision's not necessarily new because, like, two generations ago, the Mercedes S-Class had it. And I think there was a Cadillac... I mean, recently, rather recently, in fact, there was a Cadillac that had it, but still, that's quite cool. I just hope that it works better than a lot of those older systems. 
The new premium Summit Reserve trim features the equipment we have stated above, but also with other premium touches like hand-wrapped, quilted, palermo, palermo, pal, hmm, palermo, I probably got it wrong, leather seats, a new available Tupelo interior color, and faux suede lines on the A-pillar and headliner. When it comes to powertrain, customers will have some familiar choices. Standard is the award-winning 3.6-liter Pedestar V6, producing 290 horsepower and 257 pound-feet of torque, while those looking for more capability and power can opt for the legendary 5.7-liter Hemi V8, delivering a robust 357 horsepower and 390 pound-feet of torque. Both are mated to the same Torque Flight 8-speed automatic transmission that we have grown accustomed to in the WK2 lineup. Of course, both two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive configurations are available. Pentastar owners will be happy to know that the Grand Cherokee L will be able to tow up to 6,200 pounds with both 4x2 or 4x4 configurations, matching the 2021 Dodge Durango's numbers. For Hemi customers, the brawny Hemi V8 with 4x4, with 4x4 uh, drivetrain has ratings up to 7,200 pounds, matching the Durango RT standard rating, but coming in at 1,500 pounds less than the new RT Towingo package. SRT392 and Hellcat model ratings of 8,700 pounds. When it comes to 4x4 capability, the 2021 Grand Cherokee L is available with several different choices. I just remember what I wanted to say. Despite the fact that they've added a lot, uh, a lot of luxury, it doesn't seem to me, and we're about to get onto the off-road capability, that they've skipped on what makes a Jeep a Jeep, and that is its off-road capability. So, speaking of which, you have, when it comes to 4x4 capability, the 2021 Jeep Grand Cherokee L is available with several different choices. You have Quadratrack 1, which delivers full-time 4x4 without any switches or levers to pull. The system provides smooth operation of the vehicle over a variety of road conditions. This lightweight single-speed case is both proven and efficient for enhanced fuel economy, standard on Laredo Unlimited. Then you have Quadratrack 2, which features a two-speed transfer case and uses input from a variety of sensors to determine tire slip at the earliest possible moment and takes corrective action. The system also uses throttle uses throttle input to anticipate, uses throttle anticipate, that's a bit of a weird sentence, to sense quick movement in the throttle from a stop and maximizes traction before tire slippage occurs. When wheel slippage is detected, as much as 100% of available torque is instantly rooted to the axle with the most traction. This system is standard on the Overland. Then you have the Quadra Drive 2. With a rear electronic limited slip differential, or ELSD, delivers industry-leading tractive capability. The system instantly detects tire slip and smoothly distributes engine torque to tires with traction. In some cases, the vehicle will anticipate low traction and adjust in order to proactively limit or eliminate slip. This is optional on the Overland, but is standard on the Summit and the Summit Reserve. Grand Cherokee L can also be outfitted with Quadra Lift Air Suspension, while the Select Terrain Traction Management System is standard. The next generation Quadra Lift Air Suspension allows the Grand Cherokee L to have five height settings for optimum ride performance. You have the Normal Ride Height, or NRH, 8.3 inches of clearance offers improved fuel economy as well as improved aerodynamics during on-road driving. You have Off-Road 1, which lifts the vehicle an additional 1.6 inches from NRH for added height in clearing obstacles which is 9.9 .9 inches in total. Then you have Off-Road 2, which delivers legendary Jeep off-road capability and provides an additional 2.4 inches from NRH for 10.9 inches of ground clearance. Then you have Park Mode, which lowers the vehicle 1.8 inches from NRH for easy ingress and egress. NRH and Park Mode are driver-selectable, allowing the driver to 
allowing, sorry, giving the driver full control over vehicle ride height. Then you have Aero Mode, which I think we saw a relatively similar thing actually back in 2015 when we had the update to the DS1500 because that generation of 1500 had air suspension. I remember watching an FCA promotional video where it said up to a certain speed, the, the 1500 will actually lower itself just a little bit to improve aerodynamics. So this isn't actually all that new. We've seen this this kind of technology, though it didn't. I don't remember it having a name, but we've seen this kind of technology before. Actually, five years ago, back on the face of the 2015 Ram 1500, when it got air suspension, where it would lower itself a little bit at highway speeds to to what give it better aerodynamics for better fuel efficiency. So, aero mode lowers the vehicle 0.8 inches from NRH. Aero mode is controlled by vehicle speed and adjusts for optimal performance and fuel economy. The vehicle will also lower to aero mode when in sport mode. There's a sport mode? Dang! Okay. That's not something I heard when I watched the, the unveil video. In its most aggressive setting, Off-Road 2, the Grand Cherokee L features a 30.1 degree approach angle, a 23.6 degree departure angle, and a 22.6 degree breakover angle. The Grand Cherokee L is available with seven different wheel options, ranging from 18-inch to the first ever 21-inch option. You have 18-inch painted aluminum wheels, which, is, which are on Laredo Unlimited. You have 20-inch polished aluminum wheels, which are optional on the Limited. You have 20-inch machined aluminum wheels with black noise painted pockets, which are on the Overland. You have 18-inch polished aluminum wheels, which is the Overland off-road package. You have 20-inch machined aluminum wheels with technical gray painted pockets which is also a part of the Overland Off-Road Package, probably an option. You have 20-inch machined aluminum wheels on the Summit and 21-inch machined aluminum wheels with mid-gloss granite crystal pockets, which are on the Summit Reserve. When it comes to safety, the 2021 Jeep Grand Cherokee L will be the most advanced model ever, featuring the following. Full-speed front, sorry, forward collision warning plus, rear cross-path detection, which is pretty standard. Adaptive cruise control with stop and go, also known as ACC. Lane Keep Assist, Lane Departure Warning. On higher trim levels, Overland Summit and Summit Reserve, there is additional active and passive equipment available. That includes Level 2 Autonomous Driving Capability. Joining Active Driving Assist later this year will be the Hands-Free Active Driving Assistant, which promises even more in the way of semi-autonomy. I bet you a lot of these systems were developed thanks to the Waymo Partnership. The additional night vision, HUD, and intersection collision alert, which gives an audible warning of oncoming traffic from either side, traffic sign recognition, drowsy driver detection, and 360-degree camera allow the 5th generation Grand Cherokee to be the safest model yet. While pricing is yet to be announced, we expect it to be somewhere in the mid-$40,000 range. Uh, production is expected to start in March at the New Mac Avenue Complex in Detroit, in Detroit, Michigan, and will be arriving in dealerships sometime around May. For those interested in learning and discussing more on the all-new 2021 Jeep Grand Cherokee L, be sure to visit our sister site, WL Jeep Forum, and, sorry, a dedicated site surrounding the all-new Grand Cherokee Trio. For a few more specifics on the new Grand Cherokee L, we move over to an article from Road & Track. So starting with the, well, I say starting with the interior, talking about the interior. With a new dash layout that includes a standard 10.3-inch digital gauge cluster and an 8.4-inch central touchscreen, as well as wireless Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, there's a new steering wheel and a rotary-style shift knob. Buyers of the Overland or Summit trims will have the option to increase the touchscreen size to 10.1 inches. Those trims also get available adaptive cruise control, lane centering assist, a heads-up display, and a night vision camera. According to Car and Driver, Level 2 self-driving capability should be available by the end of the year. 
opt for the somewhat reserved package and you get a massaging seat or massaging front seats and a Macintosh stereo. So that's it for now. So now we're going to talk about the, we're going to move on to, you know, the opinion side of these new car podcast episodes. And right now, what I want to do is talk about the engine. I want to start with the engines. The engine lineup is just a little bit disappointing initially. The Pentastar V6, I would have hoped, would have 300 horsepower minimum. I hope they would have used the high output version. But instead they didn't, so it only has 290 horsepower. And uh, a little bit weak, in my opinion, 257 pound-feet of torque. Especially for a vehicle of this size, with it having three rows and it being bigger than the Durango. That's, that's really worrying to me. I would hope we get a, a few more potent engines down the line. And honestly, I kind of feel the same way about the Hemi, actually. Now, 357 horsepower is not nothing at all. That's, that would, it would be ridiculous to say that. Especially for a vehicle of this size, 357 horsepower is great. And 390 pound-feet of torque, that's even better. But I was hoping for more like 375. I was hoping for the output closer to that of a normal 5.7 RT Challenger. That's not what we got, and honestly, for me, that's just a little bit disappointing. Again, hopefully we can get more powerful either new engines or updated versions of the 5.7 Hemi and the 3.6 Pentastar so that we can get greater power outputs because to me, with the, with the vehicle being as big as it is and probably weighing upwards of 4,000 pounds, upwards of 4,500 pounds, that to me, probably even into the 5,000 pounds, that to me is just a little bit on the underpowered side. Power running stuff out of the way though. Let's talk about this interior. Oh my! Oh my, my, my! This interior. This interior. I have long said. FCA have. I think I've long said. FCA have some of the best interiors in the business. You know, that aren't luxury, right? This Grand Cherokee completely reaffirms that. And let me say right off the bat. The touchscreen is not integrated into the dash. It's not like the 2021 Durango. It's not like that at all. But it is not like the new 2021 Jeep Compass, the Indian model, if you've seen some news about that. It's not like most Mazdas. It's not like the Lincoln Aviator or the Navigator. It's not a tacked-on screen stupidly placed on top of the dash. It is where a touchscreen should be, in the middle, under or or in between air vents, although in this case it's under the air vents. And it is just... It's just above, so it's 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 not indented or say indented into the dash. It's it floats. It floats just a little bit from the dash, but only a little bit. So it's while it's not integrated in the way that we've come to expect from SCA, like the new Durango, the fifteen hundred, Challenger, Charger, etc. This is about the most tastefully done touchscreen that wasn't into that wasn't integrated into the dash that I've seen yet, and it's primarily because. It do, it's not a stupid tacked-on tablet. It still looks a bit like a tablet, but it's not, again, on top of the dash, like a little phone holder thing. No, 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 it's way smarter than that. It kind of looks like... It's almost like a, like, a, like a brace, because the way that they've done it is that the touchscreen bridges the gap between a few buttons above, above the touchscreen, but just below where the air vents are, and then below that is the HVAC functions. And then in between that is this nice wood inlay. It's gorgeous. But it, it it's, for lack of a better word, brace, I say braces. But it, to me, it looks like a sort of structural brace. But it connects the two, it connects the HVAC functions and then other buttons that are lower on the dash and then higher up on the dash near the air vents. But I think it looks great. Let's see. I thought there was a photo here that 
did a better job of showing what those buttons I keep mentioning are because I couldn't I couldn't quite figure it out. What are they? So you have your hazard lights. You have a few. You have a few other buttons. I can't quite see what they. Oh, okay. You have a parking sensor off. You have a lane. I guess lane departure assist off. A traction control off. And you, you, so you have a few other off buttons for safety assist systems. I will say though, the only thing that I like, I, the only thing I really, really dislike about the new touchscreen is that it's not angled towards the driver. It seems pretty flat, pretty perpendicular, uh, horizontally to the entire dash, and so that I'm not quite a fan of because it might make it a little bit harder to read in a few situations. But the design I like, the way that it's been added, I again I wish it was slanted a little bit more towards the driver, a lot like the new Durango. But with the way that they did it, by not integrating it into the dash. I don't imagine doing that would be easy, nor would it look good. But in the press photos, we have two two different interior images. So we have a white one with a few dark wood inset, in, uh, insets. Yeah, I probably got that wrong. I'm using the wrong word, I'd imagine. Or inlays, that's the one. With, a few, with, with some dark gray inlays. And then you have a tan interior, which is pretty much tan everywhere, with normal wood color uh, inlays. And... I like the tan one more, mostly because I come from a world of a lot of black interiors. My dad's Durango, my mom's Suzuki Vitara, even though that was gray, and then my mom's Tiguan, and then finally my dad got a tan interior, which I quite like. Uh, so I like I like really colorful interiors, but this this very mature, kind of subtle gray look is so, so upscale that I wouldn't even be too mad having, especially with the white, though. The white is a nice contrast. But So talking more, though, about the about the center stack, right? So where the touchscreen is and then the lower functions. I don't mind, I don't at all mind the fact that it's a rotary, that it's a rotary dial. That's fine, that doesn't matter. And again, it saves space. The controls that you use for some of the, for some of the off-road functions, like, you know, whether you're driving on sand or snow or whatever, they're really, the buttons are so, they're so different. They're so upscale to me. Let's see if I can get a, Find a better image of the button. There we go. And they're not buttons. They're more like le I say levers, but they're not even levers. They're just small. You know, like how on planes where they have those higher center consoles and you have those thin but long or switches where you flick them. That's sort of what this looks like, except it's much wider and not nearly as tall. But they're but they're switches. So you just I'd imagine you just push it up forward one to go to rock, snow, auto, sport, mud, whatever. And then you also have on the other side of the rotary shifter near the passenger side, you have a similar s switch for controls that, sorry, that controls the ride height, the air, the air suspension, which once again, to me is a very Range Rover. It's a very Range Rover-esque look, especially with the rotary shifter. Like if they, if the button sunk into the dash and then when you turn the car on or not into the dash, into the center console, and then it rose as you turn the car on. That couldn't get more Range Rover and or Jag. You could not get more Jag Range Rover upscale than that. If, if only they would add such a function, that would be fantastic. So another part of the interior that I'm... It, these are really, really minor grievances, I'm about to say. And they're not really grievances. I'm just, I'm really nitpicking. So the touchscreen, that was nitpicking. And then what I'm about to talk about is nitpicking. And that is the size of the Jeep logo on the airbag cover on the steering wheel. They have this silver outline and then a black inlay and then you have the Jeep text and it's really it's really quite small. Uh, it's sort of I think it's sort of like on the Jeep Grand Cher the WK2 Trackhawk 
where it says, like, instead of SRT in big letters or, or Jeep in big letters, it's something small. And to, and for me, I'm not, I'm not that big of a fan of this minimalist look on the airbag cover because, in my mind, because this is an American vehicle and it's a luxury vehicle, that Jeep text shouldn't be absolutely humongous, but it should be bigger. You should, it should take up a good portion of the airbag cover. It's like, th yeah, this is a Jeep. Like, this is a definite Jeep, and it should be in bigger letters than it is. So it being a bit minimalist to me is, it's kind of lame. It's just, uh, I say lame, but I guess that is how it, it's just a little bit lame. It should be a little, it should be a bit bigger. You should be able to see that properly, and it being smaller, it kind of, to me, kind of downplays the, the grand minimalism that this interior portrays. But the actual shape of the airbag cover, I'm completely fine with. The buttons, I think it uses the, the new FCA buttons that we saw originally on, I think it was the JL Wrangler, and then that we saw on the 1500. But what's really interesting is that the airbag cover is different here from the JL and the 1500. And, the, and I think the spokes on the steering wheel, I mean, outside of where the buttons are, like the middle spoke down on the bottom is different. So the steering wheels now, to me, are even starting to become more different across models than they were previously. Like, they're more unique to each brand, and that's even better for distinguishing, for distinguishing the brands and giving them their own personality. That is fantastic, in my opinion. But yeah, the steering wheel is so, is, is so, is so much more luxurious to me than the older interiors. In fact, I dare say it looks a lot like it could be a Chrysler interior, and... We'll probably do a podcast, whether it's going to be me reading an article that I'm going to write soon or just more off the cuff. I'm not sure, but I've got a, I've got a few thoughts on Jeep apparently seeming here to be going more upscale. I've got a few thoughts on that that I want that I really, really want to touch on because while it, this is great, it really is fantastic. The implications of Jeep going more luxurious aren't quite good for one very specific brand in the North American FCA portfolio, and I know you all know which one I'm talking about. But we'll, we won't talk on, we won't touch on that here yet. We won't touch on that here yet. But, yeah, so the overall interior, for me, 8.5 out of 10, 9 out of 10. I don't want to give it a perfect score. I don't want to give it a perfect score, but my God, is it a good interior. FCA are just pumping out interior after interior after interior that are all gorgeous looking. And and to, to add on to the jack to the JLR look, you now have colored lights just underneath where the wood trim is, and it goes where the instrument where the not instrument panel it goes where the touchscreen is, and it goes out to the door panels as well. Very very upscale, and you can change the color of it, so you can have it in red, blue, whatever. I love that. It's mood lighting. It's mood lighting. I mean, we saw that in JLR vehicles a few years ago, and Jeeps now Jeeps now like oh yeah. Oh, yeah, we're, we're coming for you now. All Jeep has to do is get better reliability than Range Rover. I mean, A, for themselves in the U.S., but B, if they plan to go abroad, that definitely. And bada-bing, bada-boom, that's Range Rover in trouble. I mean, they already have, they already have the three-row three row, uh, Discovery competitor. Now they just need a proper Range Rover competitor, <coughs> two-row Grand Cherokee, and you're done. You're done, son. So, with me gushing about the interior, done. With that over, let's go to the exterior. I wasn't entirely sure about one, one area, specifically. And that was the face when I first saw it. Because to me, it was just a little bit... 
It was a little bit pudgy. It, to me, it kind of had like a, a guppy fish kind of lower mouth. The upper, where the headlights are and the seven slot grill, completely fine. I love it. But on the, what looks to be a Summit or maybe a Summit Reserve model and then the Overland, I wasn't quite a fan because to me, it looks like they, instead of going a little bit wider with the lower grill and just kind of stretching it out and giving it some room to breathe, they pushed it in, made it a little bit narrower. And that to me, again, made it look, made the face look just a little bit pudgy, just a little bit like kind of chubby cheeked and not in a good way, not in a cutesy way. I'm starting to come around. So I like the, the if you've seen any of the press photos, I like the gray Grand Cherokee L's face where it's a lot more simplified. It doesn't have any of the chrome outline that I would imagine the, the what the red one is, I imagine that's the Overland. It doesn't have the silver outline that the, for the sake of this argument, we'll say Overland model has. So it's a lot simpler. It's a lot cleaner to me. And there's a, I actually, if any of you play automation, there's a grill, a lower grill that actually looks a lot like that. So when I first saw it, I was like, that's just an automation grill. <laughs> and I can't unsee it now. And especially with the inside, because it's not just black. It has a few bars and stuff on the inside. And that's very, very automation. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's not necessarily great either. And I, I just can't unsee it. But anyway, getting back to the gray Grand Cherokee L. I like the simplicity on the face, and I actually quite like the face now. To me, it's still just a little bit pudgy. I wish they made... I wish they gave the grill more room to breathe and stretch it out a little bit, but I'm I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I really, really like it. I like the fog lights and how they're horizontally oriented and how they have some vents. I like the the weird the weird grill texturing on the Grey Grand Cherokee on what I imagine is the summit. It's not gonna be good for cooling, and unfortunately I think that makes the seven slot grill redundant. Makes I say redundant, makes them non functional, which I don't like as I prefer my grills to be functional if you're gonna have a grill make it functional but i do quite like the look it's a very upscale look and if that and if that's where they were going if that's the appearance they were going for the look they were going for the impression they were trying to give off is that this is the upscale model well they completely they totally did it they 100 succeeded and that's a good thing the rear end the rear end is the same largely from here to the red one so i'm not going to touch on the red rear but i the one thing i dislike is how they're, the taillights are very minimalist. I mean, the headlights are also quite minimalist as well. But with the face, I think it kind of works. They're, they're, the car is looking back at you. But with the taillights, the only thing I dislike is that they're minimalist. And that everyone is going for this minimalist. Oh, we're only going to have one LED bar for the taillight. And that's the design. That's it. To me, it's just a little lazy. I like the, you know, the Dodge Racetrack taillight. The... What was it? The face of the 2011 or 2015 Chrysler 300 look, where it was the it was the same 300 design, but it had that that 300 shape, and it was LED or or again the Dodge Racetrack taillights. I like that because to me that's very very creative. Having one bar or you know two separate bars, but it's just one line, and that's the entire taillight. To me, is not very creative. It's not. It's a. It's a little bit of lazy design. It's like, well, yeah, that wasn't hard to do. You had one line, and then you had the, the reverse lights, and then you had the turn signals, and that's it. Like that wasn't a difficult design, and everyone seems to be doing that now. So I'm not big on this minimalist design of we'll just have one bar that makes up the entire LED design, and that's it. Because again, to me, it's just not that. It's 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 kind of lazy design to me, and I I'm trying to be as nice about it as I can. It's, but it, it it's just not very creative to me. It's like, yeah, that's. You know, that's really recognizable from oh so many miles away, unlike the Viper tail, the Viper's taillight, the Gen 5, or all the Dodge Racetrack taillights. It's just, you know, very samey, just, it's too minimalist. I want more unique taillight designs that 
aren't quite so minimalist. Like, you, you could go for simpler designs, but don't just have one bar and then that's it. Like, what? <laughs> how many people, how many more automakers have to design a car where one, where one bar makes up the entire taillight design and then, oh, well, now you can't tell what car is what at the dead of night on, on the road when your headlights aren't shining on that taillight because it's all the same. Like, genuinely, it's all the same. That, that's what I don't like about the taillight design. But the actual shape, I do quite like. It's very, I do like the thinness of it. I guess what, I'm, what I wish is that you had that taillight design, or you had that LED design, and then it kind of curved down, or it continued down, sort of like a check mark, sort of like a like the Nike logo. I wish they did that. That would have been more interesting than just just a rectangular bar that then kind of curves around to the side of the vehicle. It's just it's not there's not enough there's not to, there's not enough to look at for me. It's too simple. But with that being said. I do actually like the minimalism. I do think it's very, it's a very, very modern look. Very modern look. It's with the times. Uh, and it, depending on how much material they use, it might actually be a bit lightweight. So that's good. I do like how where the tailgate is, where the tail, where the taillight also continues. They have this arrow, arrow-like indent that ports, that points, sorry, inward. And you have this, you have this character line that kind of splits where the tailgate kind of curves just a little bit from it being flat and that's where the jeep logo is so it kind of points the both of the taillights kind of point inward to the jeep logo and i do like that that's a that's a nice subtle design element it's very very subtle but i think it works brilliantly and so the tailgate design as a whole i quite like to me it looks very actually surprisingly like a sort of like a modernized sort of face with the wk2 but that's that's a good thing that's ultimately a good thing. They didn't have to redesign the wheel for this Grand Cherokee. Now, some, I think, would argue that this design is quite safe, and you might be right about that. But the thing is, the, you know, sometimes a safe design is relatively okay, right? You, you know, you just want this model to sell and to sell well. You don't want to completely alienate your consumer base terribly by making a very wacky design. Uh-huh, 2014 Jeep Cherokee. But you can go too far the other way. But I think this strikes a good balance of it being its own its own generation of Grand Cherokee without being too radical. Because we're seeing a lot of overstyled cars these days. And I think this it does a good job of bucking the trend without being too, too bland. Without being too boring. So, verdict on the on the exterior. 7 out of 10. Maybe 7.5. 7.5 out of 10. Good safe design. I like the headlight design. Even though I guess I could make the same complaint about the headlight DRLs being too simple and boring but i like the face of the summit i like the face of the of the non-overland models the overland model with its grill is just a little bit weird to me it's a little bit awkward let me see if i can find a photo here i'm in the i'm still on the gray grand cherokee at the moment yeah that headlight is beautiful but yeah so the overland not quite as much of a fan of to me there's too much of that weird like black plastic cladding in the grill it's a very very odd look but I like that it has a different face. I like that it seems to be more, slightly more of a rugged look, slightly less of a happy face because the gray version has a happy face. This one's more of, to me, like a golem. It looks like a golem to me, sort of like a mob or a monster, and I, I kind of like that. Uh, the exterior is good, is good. The face, this, the gray one is better to me than the red one, but the red one's okay. It does a good job. The rear, I quite like a lot. I really, really like it a lot, actually. I'd give that... 
I, I'd say that's probably slightly better looking than the front. So the rear, very good job, Jeep. The silhouette looks looks really good. It's kind of plain, but that's fine. I'm, I'm just kind of curious how how the two-door, or the two-row version is going to look. That's what I want to know. Are they going to slope the roof a little bit more because they don't have, they don't need as much space for the rear seats? That's what, sort of like the current WK2 generation Grand Cherokee, which has been around from 2011 to 2020. That's the generation I'm talking about. Are they going to slope the roof as much for the two-row as to, for this generation of Grand Cherokee as they did for the prior version? That's what I want to know, because if they do, that would probably bump the design to me up to about an 8. Probably up to an 8. But overall, I do like it. I do like it. This this actually, this photo I'm looking at right here makes the uh, Overland look a little bit better. But yeah, 7.5 out of 10. The face is okay. The Overland, uh, it, I might have to grow on me. I'm not, I'm not completely sure of the lower grille and how it has some weird matte black bars and stuff to me. There's just too much plastic there. But the overall design, Overlander Summit, looks great. I really like the rear. The taillights are just a little bit too minimalist with their with their LED, but the overall design I quite like. I like how they point inwards towards the Jeep text. Uh, I love, I really, really like the silver, the silver trim piece that goes from the A pillar, goes above the D pillar, and then goes under the rear hatch glass. That someone I was reading a comment said that that's a bit overplayed, and I could see that, but for this model. Because they did that on the Compass. I think I like it better here than I do on the Compass. It's a massively upscale. I say massively. It's a it's a great look. And it's an upscale element that really brings home the the more luxurious, I think, character that this new Grand Cherokee is trying to take on. So I like it a lot. I like it a whole lot. I think that's better. It's better here that it's... It looks better here than it does on the Compass. Though, to be fair, I might argue that the Grand Cherokee L or otherwise looks better than the Compass does. So, that might have something to do with it. But overall, visually, interior and exterior combined, 8 out of 10. What a next generation. If we could get next generation Dodge vehicles with this level of design, with this level of care. Oh my god. I, whew, If we could get a sedan, probably not going to happen. But if we could get a sedan that looked like, that had... This level of modern modernism, I say modernism, that is this modern, that is this fresh, that is this new. <laughs> oh, I would, I'd be so mad that I couldn't buy it. I would be pissed every single day that I could not buy that car. But yeah, very, very well done, Jeep. This, this has brought the Grand Cherokee into the modern day, and I can't wait to see the updates that they do over time for the for the life cycle of this vehicle. But anyway, that is the new Grand Cherokee L. I hope you all enjoyed. If you did, then please like the episode, share the episode, and follow the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, then please like, comment, share, and consider subscribing. If you do subscribe, thank you. Uh, and hit the little notification bell and all notifications. That way you'll be notified every time I upload. If you want to listen to this podcast on the road, but don't have a want the Podbean mobile app, well then before you set off, just boot up wherever you get your podcast, type in Cody's Car Conundrum, and then choose the episode you want to listen to. I'll see you all next time. You've just listened to me. Probably ramble about some cars, if I'm being honest. If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at Cody Carr, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. 
If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.